Thank you, choir. I'm sure we all have mountains in our lives that we need God to move. And uh, as we open His Word together, let us pray and ask Him to move some of those mountains this morning. Lord, You know us. You know our hearts. You know uh, our thoughts. You know what's going on in our lives. You know the mountains we're facing. You know the, the envy that's in our hearts. God, we, just, we need You to uh, come in and do what only You can do. We need You to move these mountains out of the way. We need You to give us strength to persevere. Lord, I pray this morning You would just increase our understanding of who You are, what You've done, how to walk with You by faith. And Lord, I just pray that You would speak to us now in a special way. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, uh, this morning we're going to talk about the deadly sin of envy. So be encouraged. In Shakespeare's plays, um, The Merchant of Venice and Othello, he calls envy the green-eyed monster. You know, in Shakespeare's day, and probably before, uh, it was common to associate or pair colors with um, you know, behaviors or certain qualities or emotions. And so just think for a moment, why do you think they paired envy with the color green? I was talking to my wife about this, and many of you know she is a nurse down in the emergency room at University Hospital. I said, why do you think uh, you, you pair envy with the, the color green? Because green is the color you turn when you're sick. <laughs> He's just green. Ooh, you know. And I'll tell you a few other things she mentioned, but I don't want to you know, gross you out too much. So, which is a, a daily occurrence in my household now that I'm up, grossed out a bunch now that she's working down there. But anyway, you know, green is the, is the color of sickness. And so Shakespeare calls envy the green-eyed monster because envy makes you sick. The writer of Proverbs in Proverbs 14.30 says this, A tranquil heart or a healthy heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. So, what is this monster you know, that, that rots you from the inside out? What is this envy? Well, Os Guinness uh, defines envy this way, and I like his definition. He says that full-blown envy, in short, is dejection plus disparagement plus destruction. So dejection plus disparagement plus destruction. And I want to unpack that for you. Uh, the first thing we're going to look at is envy produces uh, dejection. And envy is birthed out of discontentment. Right? It's, it's birthed out of discontentment. Uh, and when we're discontent, we lack the ability to be thankful, right? We're, we're discontent. What we're doing usually is we're looking at someone else and we're seeing what they have or what they are experiencing. And then we look at ourselves and say, I don't have that or I'm not experiencing that good thing. And so I become discontent with what I have or what I'm experiencing. And that leads, leads to dejection. And dejection is a feeling of sadness, caused by failure or loss of something, or perceived loss. You know, I don't have what they have. I'm not experiencing what they're experiencing, and so I feel sad. You know, I feel dejected. 
You know, in that passage in 1 Kings 21, the king, Ahab, sees a vineyard that he does not have that he wants. It belongs to Naboth. And he says, well, I like your vineyard. It's close to me. And I would like to plant a vegetable garden there. And Naboth says, no, I can't give you this. This is my father's inheritance to me. I'm not supposed to give you this thing. Well, as a result, if you remember from the scripture, uh, the king went back sullen, laid on his bed, and would not eat. Right? He's dejected. He's feeling dejected, depressed, sad, because he can't have the vineyard. And he even told Naboth, I'll give you a better vineyard than you have. So it's not like he doesn't have vineyards. He has vineyards. He could plant vegetables somewhere else. But he likes this one because it's close to his house. So he wants it. Naboth says, you can't have it. And so the king gets the feeling of dejection. You know, he's sad. He's sullen. He's depressed. And so Ahab wants the vineyard, but he can't have it. But instead of letting it go and say, well, I'll just plant a vegetable garden somewhere else. He allows envy to continue to fester and this dejection continues down the road and turns into disparagement. And disparagement is speaking against someone. And so listen to what Ahab does in that passage, 1 Kings 21, 5-7. His wife Jezebel came in and asked, why are you so sullen? Why won't you eat? What's the problem here? And he answered her, Because I said to Naboth, Sell me your vineyard, and he would not do it. I'm paraphrasing here. He said he wouldn't do it. And so I'm over here pouting, and you know, I'm sad, and I can't have my vineyard. And then Jezebel says, Well, we'll figure out a way to get the vineyard. And so he's feeling sad, he's feeling dejected because he sees what someone else has. He begins to envy it, he wants it, he's jealous for it. And then his Feelings of sadness give birth to the verbalization of that disparagement. And so he begins to talk about, talk against Naboth. And they begin to think about how can we get the vineyard. And then this leads to the climax of envy, which is destruction. So you have the feeling within of dejection, sadness. And then you begin to verbalize it. And then you go after the person to destroy them. And 1 Kings 21, verses 8 through 16, I read it earlier. Jezebel comes up with an idea, basically to have Naboth kill. I do away with Naboth, we take his vineyard. Even though, you know, he was innocent, we want the vineyard. And so they destroy Naboth. She comes back, tells Ahab, he's dead, go take the vineyard. And it says that Ahab gets up. He's no longer sad, he has his vineyard. Right? That is a perfect example of the road that envy paves. Now, we could have looked at other examples from the Scripture. We could have looked at uh, Cain and Abel. Abel's sacrifice was acceptable to God. Cain's was not. Cain's envious of Abel. So what does he do? Strikes him dead. Or what about David? Strikes, well, basically, does it strike Uriah dead? He works it out where... Uriah goes to the front lines of the battle and is killed so that David can marry his wife. This is envy. Discontentment begins to fuel, then you verbalize it, then you act upon it to seek to destroy that other person. And so the truth of the proverb rings true. A healthy heart, a tranquil heart, promotes life, but envy rots the bones. 
And we all know how easy it is to envy those around us. And what's interesting here, just to note this, we usually tend to envy people that are in the same profession that we are, or in the same position that we are. For example, if you are a teacher, you tend to probably envy other teachers. You probably don't envy you know, an accountant. Like an accountant gets an award for being a great accountant, you're probably happy for him. Great. But if the teacher that you work with gets the award, then envy may creep in. Or if you're a doctor or a lawyer or uh, a wife or husband or mother or father or neighbor or you know, wh- whoever's in that same t- type of position you are, that's who you tend to envy when they receive something that you think you should have received. Now we see here that A healthy heart promotes life, but envy rots the bones. And I'm sure if we did a survey of the congregation this morning, uh, none of you would say, you know, Ron, I volunteer to have my bones rotted. You know, I would like to have my bones rotted from the inside out. So let's, uh, how can I just continue to rot inside out? You know, no, none of us want that, right? We don't want to rot from the inside out. So how do we uh, have this tranquil heart or this healthy heart that promotes life? And the way we do that, the way that we uh, avoid envy, starve off envy, is by cultivating a life of thanksgiving. And I think it's timely that you know, we're entering into November, and our entire country associates November with the holiday Thanksgiving, and also the concept of Thanksgiving. But it is true, the way that we deal with envy and discontentment is that we cultivate thanksgiving. So if we're going to starve the green-eyed monster, we must be a thankful people. And as Christians, thankfulness is an act of worship. Thankfulness is an act of worship. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, the Apostle Paul said, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So he's talking to the Christians there. If you are a Christian, if you are someone who is building your life upon Christ, or to put it another way, if you are someone who has placed their faith, their trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, He's your personal Lord and Savior. If Christ is in your life, if you are clothed with Him, if you are a Christian, then thankfulness is an act of worship. We're called to be a thankful people. Now, There are other things that we can be thankful for. We can be thankful for our job or our home or the clothes that we wear and all the different good gifts that we receive because we know in James 1.17, he says, all good things come from God. So it's right to be thankful for all those things. But you may say, Ron, I don't have much or at least I don't have as much as this next guy or this next girl. So how am I to be thankful and I think at the very least, as Christians, we, we always have something to be thankful for. Because if we reflect on the core of who we are, it will produce thanksgiving. At the very least, we can reflect on the fact that God has set His love upon us. That He has given His only Son for you and for me. We can be thankful that we've received forgiveness. We can, we can be thankful that we've received uh, the Holy Spirit, that we have God's Word, that we can read, that we 
have this place where we can come and gather with other believers to worship. We can be thankful that um, God has promised us eternal life. We can be thankful that we're in the family of God. This, this, is the, this is true of every Christian, and this is something that we can all be thankful for. This is the core of who we are. And it is an act of worship to be thankful for, for all that God has done for us. And second of all, being thankful is actually good for your health. So the writer of Proverbs is on track when he says, you know, a tranquil heart, a healthy heart, it promotes life. But envy rots the bones. Discontentment rots the bones. And um, a psychology professor by the name of Robert Emons noted that gratitude research is beginning to suggest that feelings of thankfulness have tremendous positive value in helping people cope with daily problems. And furthermore, research has shown that thankfulness, being thankful, actually increases your immune system. And being discontent or envious weakens your immune system. So the writer of Proverbs had it right all along. You know, uh, a happy, a tranquil, or a uh, healthy heart promotes life. A content heart promotes life. Um, an envious heart rocks the bones. So, first of all, thankfulness is an act of worship. Second of all, it's good for your health. And thirdly, not only is thankfulness an act of worship and it's good for you personally, but also thankfulness is instrumental in, in allowing us to love our neighbor well. Without a thankful heart, it's going to be very difficult for you to love your neighbor like God has called you to. It's hard to love someone that you're very envious of. Right? The great passage on love found in 1 Corinthians 13 says this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy Right? If you were to love your neighbor, it's going to be very hard for you to love them, want what's best for them, if you're jealous of them, if you're envious of them. And then listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12, 15. Just note this down somewhere. Romans 12, 15, the Apostle Paul said, Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Now, think about that. We know we're called to love our neighbor. Paul says, we are to rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Now, if you are full of envy, you will not rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. What you will actually do, and just look at your own heart here, okay? This is what you will do if you're full of envy. You will weep with those who rejoice. You will not rejoice with those who rejoice. You will weep with those who rejoice. In other words, when you see someone receive a benefit, a good thing, you will weep. In other words, you will be saddened because they received something you didn't. That you want. So you become dejected, right? You have that feeling of sadness, uh, discouragement, depressed. You become in a depressed state because they have something good, you didn't receive it. 
And so you, you weep when they rejoice. And not only that, you rejoice when they weep. In other words, when you see someone who's experiencing something you're not experiencing, or they have something you don't have, and some difficulty befalls them, something bad happens, you actually rejoice as they weep. That's envy. That's what envy does. It says, I'm taking pleasure in your fall because I could not have what you had. I could not experience what you experienced. And so it actually gives me a little bit of pleasure to see you fall like that. Or to see this taken away. That's envy. And so, you cannot love your neighbor if you're filled with envy. And the only way for you and I to starve this green-eyed monster is to cultivate a life of thankfulness. And so what I want to encourage you to do is begin with your relationship with God. Okay, you need to begin there. That's the core. That is the, that is the, the well in which thankfulness will spring. And so you need to start with who God is, what He's done for you in Christ, and then move out from there. So first look to God, and then move out from there. Because only the love of God, the powerful love of God, can dispel envy and put down envy and starve off this, this green-eyed monster. And so just think about yourself. Are you filled with envy? This morning, are you looking at your neighbor, looking at someone that you work with or whatnot? And are you are you experiencing envy? First, turn your eyes to Christ and keep them there. Keep them there until envy. I mean, but until envy is dispelled and thankfulness begins to flow into your heart. Because as Christians, we always have something to be thankful for, and that is our relationship with God and what God has done for us and promised us. So keep your eyes on Christ. First, keep your eyes on Christ until thankfulness begins to flow into your heart. Second of all, begin to try to, just try to see your life through the lens of thankfulness. In other words, try not to look at what others have that you don't have, but rather just look what God has done for you. What, what is He doing in your life? And I've heard about, especially this month, I've heard about people um, participating in what's called you know, 30 Days of Thankfulness. Have you heard about this? Where every day in November, if you're on Facebook or Twitter, or maybe you just write it in your journal, or maybe you share it with a family member or a friend, but basically every day in November, you think of something you're thankful for. And, and I love that because what this does is it just helps us to start seeing our lives through the lens of thankfulness. Instead of focusing on what we don't have, focusing on what we do have, what God has done for us, what He is doing for us and in us and through us. And so maybe you want to participate in the 30 days of thankfulness uh, to help you begin to see your life through the lens of thanksgiving. And then thirdly, let us try to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Let us, let us take joy in seeing other people prosper and do well and receive good gifts. And then when they experience difficulty, let us weep with those who weep. You know, let us love our neighbor. Instead of trying to get the best of them, let's try to want what's best for them. 
And it's like we sung earlier. You know, Jesus said the world will know that He is real by our love for one another. Let us pray together. God, we ask that You would come into our lives in a special way through the power of Your Spirit to dispel envy. Lord, help us to be thankful. Help us to be thankful for for what You've done for us in Christ. Lord, help us to see our lives through the lens of thanksgiving, how You've provided for us and how You've worked in and through us and how You're working in us now. And Lord, help us to love others. Help us to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Instead of weeping with those who rejoice and rejoicing with those who weep. Lord, help us to experience Your goodness. Pray that it would uh, help us to be a thankful people that we may love You and love others well. And that is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.